again, and I, I can't stress this enough, it's not a knock on DeVito, but he's not the guy to win those games. Yes, he's gone and won back-to-back games against very bad teams. I have a little doubt in my mind that Tyrod would have done the same thing had he been healthy. Um, but looking forward over this five-game stretch against you know much more talented teams, uh, two games against the Eagles in particular, I think that Tyrod would have given the Giants a better chance to win. So this decision, I think, is more about the realization that Tyrod is on his way out via free agency. He'll hopefully get another opportunity somewhere else. I think this is more about future evaluations than it is about actually winning football games. Welcome to the Giants Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here playing host along with Dan Benton, the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. This podcast is available on whatever platform you like best. Apple, Spotify, Google. Do us a favor. Rate, review, and if you haven't already, subscribe. That's the best way to support us, and we appreciate each and every one of you, the listener. Hey, Dan, how was your bye week, man? Oh, it was nice and enjoyable. It was a little weird that it came so late in the season, as some of the Giants complained about, too, but... You know, it was just nice to kind of get away for a couple of days, rest up and, and prepare for the late grind of the season. And I don't know. There's a part of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, half the Giants fan base feels similarly. We're just ready for this one to be over with. So, you know, all that playoff talk kind of and we'll get into that as well today, kind of, you know, went out the window a little bit over the weekend. Uh, thanks to primarily, you know, the Giants crosstown rivals because the Jets are going to jet. And that's just how it is. The Jets can't get anything right, obviously. We, we all know that. Unlike the Jets, you know, the Jets, they're trying to – they change quarterbacks every week, it seems, Dan. Oh, no, Zach Wilson, we hate you. No, no, we love you. Come be our quarterback again. No, Trevor Simeon, let's sign you. This Tim Boyle guy sucks. Like, no, it's like a, a, coach, uh, a quarterback carousel over there every year. Uh, the Giants have decided they're not going to do the carousel thing anymore. They're going to go with Tommy DeVito. That's the big story. Uh, Brian Dayball announcing that Tommy DeVito has earned the right to start, even though Tyrod Taylor – the guy they brought in here, Dan, as a premium backup behind Daniel Jones, a guy that you've said plenty of times in this podcast, and I agree, maybe the best backup quarterback in football. He has had enough time now to get healthy. He's off the IR. He probably could start this game against Green Bay. Sounds like he's healthy enough. But the Giants not only naming DeVito the starter for the Green Bay game, which I'm not too surprised about that. The fact that Dayball came out and said, regardless of Tyrod's health, it's going to be DeVito going forward. I thought that was the big news. What's your you know, gut, knee-jerk reaction to Dayball's statement there? I will say it wasn't a complete commitment to Tommy DeVito going forward. It was a 100% commitment for Monday Night Football, but he did actually leave a little wiggle room open for that to potentially change. Uh, whether or not it will remains to be seen. I think that will be decided on the field when DeVito goes up against you know better defenses, better talent than, he, than he's faced so far. That said, I don't think regardless of what the results are on the field that it would be a good decision to waffle at this point. You don't want to be the Jets, and um, that's not good for any kind of development that you want to see out of Tommy DeVito to rip the starting job away from him if he has one bad performance. And I don't think it's fair to Tyrod in, in the similar way that it's not fair to Zach Wilson to keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, especially given that that's been such an unfortunate staple of his career. Do you think this is the best decision for the Giants to win games, Dan? Or do you think there's another motive here behind going with DeVito? Do you think he really has earned it, as Dayball said at the podium? What's your take well, on he, that? He, he did earn it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, Tyrod also didn't lose it, you know, and that's kind of the problem and the dynamic that surrounded this entire decision. Um, it, it's really unfortunate for Tyrod. It, it 100% is. And I truthfully believe if 
maybe a couple other games had gone their way over the weekend, the decision would have been different because Tyrod does give the Giants, you know, a better chance to win. And that's not a knock on DeVito. And I know that that some fans are going to take that as a knock on DeVito. And it's most certainly not that. There's still a lot of development that DeVito needs to make and, and a lot of adjustments and and nuances that he, that he needs to add to his game and, and he needs to kind of learn on the fly. Tyrod is a 13-year veteran. The guy knows what's going on out there. He's familiar with the system. He's familiar with the playbook. He has a rapport with the teammates. If you're looking strictly to win games, again, and I, I can't stress this enough, it's not a knock on DeVito, but he's not the guy to win those games. Yes, he's gone and won back-to-back games against very bad teams. I have a little doubt in my mind that Tyrod would have done the same thing had he been healthy. Um, but looking forward over this five-game stretch against you know much more talented teams, uh, two games against the Eagles in particular, I think that Tyrod would have given the Giants a better chance to win. So this decision, I think, is more about the realization that Tyrod is on his way out via free agency. He'll hopefully get another opportunity somewhere else. I think this is more about future evaluations than it is about actually winning football games. What was interesting was just seeing Tyrod, listening to him talk to the media this week, Dan, uh, clearly he's upset, right? Uh, This is not, this this is, he wanted the job back. You know, he's not ready to sit idly by, get healthy and go try to find another contract elsewhere next year, right? He wanted this job. Uh, He said stuff like it hurts, nature of the business, it's disappointing. When he was asked if he was surprised by the decision, he said no comment. Dropped a no comment, which I thought was telling. It makes me think back to 2001 when Drew Bledsoe was asked if he was surprised they're sticking with Tom Brady, and he said no comment. You know, in the locker room, I, you know, as a Patriots fan, I remember that one. Uh, different situation here, but you know, the no comment that that's the one that tells you, oh, he's not happy. Uh, and you feel for Tyrod, right? Uh, I I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I like that he's going to get a chance to get healthy, fully healthy, and you know he can be a free agent next year. It sounds like his time with the Giants are done. I know you said that before we hit record. You agree there. Uh, Giants are not winning the Super Bowl this year, so he put some good, you know, he had some good games. He was fine. Uh, he, he played a little bit this year. He's, I'm sure he'll find another home if he wants to keep playing, and, and I'm sure he will. But, man, this guy's had such a tough luck history, Dan, right? Like, he was with the Browns. He was a starting quarterback there, got knocked out with a concussion. Who was the guy coming waiting in the wings? Baker Mayfield. He comes in, takes the job away, right? The job's not there when Tyrod gets healthy. Same thing happened in San Diego, I believe, at the time, uh, where Justin Herbert is waiting in the wings. Tyrod's the starter, has this freak thing when uh, the team doctor's administrating a pain-killing shot. It punctures a lung. He's out for some time. Justin Herbert comes in, tears it up, and the job's no longer available when Tyrod comes back. So this is not the first time that Tyrod has come back from an injury, Dan, which he, you know, he calls it out of his control, like he's rehabbing an injury, and a young player comes in and takes his job, and the job's no longer there. It's not even a competition, really, when he comes back, right? Uh, this is not the first time it's happened, and, and you feel for Tyrod because you could tell he's got to be thinking, man, not, not this crap again, not this crap again. You know what I mean? This, this always happens to Tyrod Taylor, so yeah. you feel for him. I do. I, I do, and I understand his disappointment, his frustration, his anger even. Listen, he's a professional. He acted like a professional. He uh, went out and faced the music literally moments after it was revealed that he's basically stuck on the bench behind an undrafted rookie for, you know, or at least a rookie for the third time in his career now. Um, it, it It is frustrating to watch for him. So I can only imagine how frustrating it is for him personally. Um, and I and I, listen, I don't want to see Tommy DeVito go out and get hurt. I don't want to see him go out and bomb. But I, I do hope there's a scenario at some point this season where 
Tyrod is able to go out there and put some good play on film and and show teams that, you know, not only that he's healthy, but still capable um, of, of, you know, spreading the field, making every throw, using his feet, just anything that can p- potentially get him another job, because I do think he deserves it. It's sort of an unwritten rule in football that a player shouldn't or couldn't or wouldn't lose their job to injury. But for this poor guy, that's happened three times now. Um I hate it for him. I really do. Happy for DeVito, obviously, but hate it for Tyrod. Two things can be true at the same time. And I think I think his career has been hard luck. I think it's been very unfortunate that he's never been able to stay healthy, often through fluke things that are, you know, well out of his control, as he said, and and really be able to put on, you know, a display for a full, you know, 16 games earlier in his career, obviously 17 games now, and show the league what he is capable of because – I wouldn't say he is like Michael Vick, but he has like very, very much like a Michael Vick skill set. Um, and I and I listen, I would argue that he has the strongest arm on the Giants right now. Even if Daniel Jones were healthy, I think he has the strongest arm. So there, there's plenty of potential there. And, yeah, I absolutely do. I feel really bad for Tyrod. I, I, I said that even coming into this season that, um, you know, the hard luck that he's had, I hated for him. And and sure enough, here we are. And it's like history's repeating itself. You feel for him. He came here to be the backup to Daniel Jones. The Giants paid him, Dan. He's the fifth highest backup quarterback in the league in terms of average annual value of his contract. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is out. He's healthy, and he doesn't have the job. So it is just brutal. But I said this last week, and I'm going to double down. Um, I think it's the best decision going with uh, DeVito. And it's nothing against Tyrod. And I think in a vacuum, Tyrod's the better quarterback. And if you're... You know, you're just going in a vacuum and saying we want to put the best player out there. I think it's Tyrod Taylor. I don't think there's much debate. But, you know, come on. DeVito, he's gotten better each week. His uh-huh. story uh-huh. really, it, it came out of nowhere, right? I mean, if Tyrod Taylor never, you know, broke his ribs there in the game, you know, if you, you know what, what was that, a month ago? If he never had those yep. broken ribs, we would never would have thought about, we would never would have uttered Tommy DeVito's name this year, right? You know, we just wouldn't have. Uh, so the story came out of nowhere, but it injected life into what was a miserable giant season at the time, right? Yeah. You know, especially when DJ's knee went, got shredded. Like it, it was just a miserable time. And now the fans are having fun. The players look and sound like they're having fun. Uh, although we can get into Dexter Lawrence's comments recently, Dan, maybe we could, we could do that. But the kid's easy to root for. He's two and one as a starter, six touchdown passes, one pick. Uh, so Nothing Tyrod did or deserves, but I just think, you know, it goes back to that thing. I think the Jets' point is perfect, right? We've won two straight. We've got three quarterbacks on this team that have all started multiple games at some point. Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito. At some point, you don't you, Dan, you have to put the musical chairs away and let the guys gain some confidence and continuity and string good weeks together. And you can only do that if you're keeping one quarterback in the freaking game. You've won two straight. You're coming off the bye. Like, I get it. I get the decision, and I think, I think it's the right one. But, man, it does suck for Tyrod Taylor. It sounds like all, all, all the players, like Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley, they're all saying nice things. Dexter Lawrence, though, you, you didn't think he gave a ringing endorsement. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a ringing endorsement. Um, it wasn't necessarily a shot either. It was just sort of almost a realization that starting DeVito means, you know, this season – you know, they're basically closing the book on the season. And um, that's not to say that DeVito can't go out there and, you know, lead them to a win or two. But let's let's just be honest with ourselves that he's not going to be leading the Giants, particularly this offense, um, to the playoffs. You know, there are certain things, like I mentioned earlier, about Tyrod's skill set that make him the better quarterback and give the Giants a better chance to win. So while the 
you know, DeVito's teammates love him and they love Tyrod just the same and Daniel Jones just the same. They they speak highly of all of those quarterbacks. I think that although it is a shot in the arm to continue to ride this whole Tommy DeVito wave, there is that other side of it where it's kind of the realization of, oh, you know, we're just we're going through the motions for these next five weeks and they'll go out there and they'll play and they'll play hard because that's just what, you know, that's just the nature of all professional athletes and athletes really at any level. Um, but yeah, I think with Dexter's tone and, and his commentary, it wasn't, you know, disappointment in the decision more along the lines of accepting the reality that this season has lost. And it is right. <laughs> that That's what it is. I mean, the playoff stuff, I see fans still posting about playoffs. We're not, we're not uh, eliminated. I think Talking Giants, our buddies over there, they're really, they're really pushing for this in the hunt. They, they want, they want in the the Giants included in the hunt. But the analytics sites now, Dan, after what happened there in Week 13, have the Giants at less than one percent. Pretty much everywhere you look, they're less than one percent chance to make the playoffs. So uh, we, we can, can we officially put a bow on the on the chatter about the playoffs here? Are we? Yeah. Is that is that official? Yeah. It's unfortunate because no they were talk. close. To, yeah, it was. It was they, listen, they were really close to having it go the other way. It would have been an interesting conversation this morning, but the the Packers upsetting the Chiefs, which was wild, and the Jets, you know, just you know, being the Jets and, and so bad. Of, yeah, taking one on the chin from the from the Falcons there kind of clouded any 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 extremely distant chance the Giants had of making the playoffs. So they needed a lot to go their way. It didn't all go their way, and. You know, I, I know last week we were joking about how all oh, the Giants have a path to get in at seven wins, and and maybe there is that slim chance that that path still, you know, is available to us to discuss if we wanted to. But I I don't really want to because, you know, again, just kind of being realistic, reading the room, seeing the schedule, and, and honestly, let let's just be honest too. With Philadelphia losing, that doesn't particularly help the Giants either because. You know, they're going to be playing for that number one spot. So that potentially gives them a reason to play their starters in the final week in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting to the playoffs for the Giants, it was going to be hopeful that they were playing the backups. Uh, so, yeah, you know, a couple of those games just didn't go their way. And that that basically closes the door on things. Yeah, even the most optimistic Giants fan has to know what happens when we play Dallas or Philly. <laughs> we, we just know. Yeah, what ha- yeah. We know what happens in these games right now. And that's something that the organization has to figure out. They haven't figured it out yet. And I think these two games with Philly are are scary. But, you know, you do play the Packers, Saints and Rams. They're all, I guess, in your weight class. We'll get into this Packers game here coming up. Uh, all Packers of them are standing be between the weight class. Yeah. Oh, you think the Packers? Okay. So that's a nice little teaser. You think the Packers are? <laughs> the, okay. Not in the Packers weight class. I think that's a little teaser for how the great Danton feels. But here, let's before we get into that one, Dan, do fans want the playoffs? Do they want playoff talk? Is that good radio to the Giants fans? Or are they more interested in getting the best draft pick possible? Because the Giants have won two straight. Now they come out of the bye week and they're what? Are they six or seven right now? I guess it depends on what site you look at. Tankathon has seven. Yeah, uh, it's it is seven. I don't I'm, I'm confused by the ones that have them at six because the tiebreaker for draft positioning isn't head to head. It's actually strength of schedule. Okay. And I think what the ones that have them sixth are kind of looking ahead and maybe projecting, um, you know, what, what the strength of schedule would be if everything fell even from here on out. So it is, it is a little tricky, but as it stands right now, like if the season were to end today, they would be picking seventh. Okay. And, and fans you think are probably kind of split. Uh, fans that want them to keep winning yeah. and have a chance at the playoffs, yeah. not get mathematically eliminated yet, mm-hmm. or the draft? There, yeah. There are two very distinct 
camps when it comes to the Giants fan base. Um, you know, and I, I would say it's almost split perfectly evenly. There are there's 50% that despise losing, they're tired of losing, they don't care about the draft pickets, go out and win every Sunday, win every single game, go to the playoffs, make something in the season. And then there's the other camp that's basically like tank it, tank it all, you know, bomb every game, intentionally lose, get the best draft pick possible. And as a former football player myself, you can cram the draft talk because you just want to go out there and win the games. And that's sort of how I look at it too. I don't think they're going to win all the games or even the majority of them. I would, I would love it if they did and somehow miraculously made it to the playoffs because how much of a fun story would that be? be good. Uh, but you know, it's, it's obviously not going to happen, but I still can't root for my team or the giants to lose. I couldn't, I couldn't root for the Yankees to lose. I couldn't root for the Knicks to lose. It's just not, it's not something that I could personally do. So from that aspect, I don't understand the tank camp really because, you know, for a team that's lost so much over the last decade, do you really just want to keep losing every single weekend? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of weird to me for for people to root for their team to lose. I always found that odd. Yeah, me too. And the draft is like such a crapshoot. Right? It's really you you really don't know how these kids are going to how they're going to perform right. on when they get to the NFL. I mean, it's just it's all scout and draft magazines and all that crap, you know arm length and hand strength and all this crap Dan you just never know what's going to happen I'd rather root for my team and just deal with the draft the next year I, I'm, I'm with you yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for the Giants to keep winning um, I think that's that makes the podcast fun it makes the Tommy DeVito story more fun and we'll stick with it can Tommy DeVito lead the Giants yeah. though to a win at home over the Packers we're going to say something Dan go ahead well I, I actually lost my train of thought there but it was something <laughs> along the lines of uh yeah, you know, I just there, there's how many different ways can you and I in particular spin Giants losses? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How, how many years have we been doing this show now? Uh, this is this is three that we're going on the end of three, three, three years. Three years. OK, so, yeah, it's they had one fun year and it was a blast. But those other two years, like we said it in the final year of Joe Judge and we've kind of joked about it this year, too, like. There were only so many ways that you could discuss the exact same thing when the Giants continue to lose and experience the same exact problems within those losses. It, it becomes extremely redundant and boring. So, yeah, give me the wins all day long. Yeah, we covered a uh, a playoff win on this show, Dan. I think that's yeah, pat on the crazy. back. Because I did not see that coming after the 2020 season. <laughs> I'll tell oh, you that. Man. Uh, sandwiched and it's sandwiched in between two really bad seasons. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah. And then we've been. We're, we had all this optimism, and then that, that's what the NFL does to you, though, especially Giants fans. Yep. Like Once you get some optimism, oh, yeah. oh, you just come crashing back down to earth. It hits you right back in the face, <laughs> kind of like being a Broncos fan, too. They have it over there oh, as well. Just yep. get, get ready for the Broncos to fall flat. That's coming. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so the Giants, Monday Night Football, six-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Packers. We'll get into that one here coming up next. First, week 14. Dan, week 14. It's already week 14. Can you believe that? Yeah. Week 14 wild. fantasy advice. From the huddle.com, we'll be right back. Corey Bonini with the huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week 14. Quarterback Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Atlanta Falcons. Mayfield scored 21 fantasy points against Atlanta in the earlier meeting, and this defense has given up at least 21 points to the likes of Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Will Levis, Joshua Dobbs, and Kyler Murray this year. Mayfield is a viable quarterback one play against a defense that has struggled to stop signal callers through the air and on the ground which is a nice bonus to consider for a quarterback with above-average mobility. Running back A.J. Dillon, Green Bay Packers at New York Giants. 
Dylan once again will assume the primary chores if Aaron Jones can't play, but there's little to get excited about here based on what the bruising back has done on his own. The bright spot to focus on is the matchup itself. New York comes back from its bye having allowed a rushing touchdown per game on the year and at least the fifth most fantasy points per game in both primary scoring systems. Wide receiver Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As expected versus the toughest pass defense in the league last week, London was not a quality play. However, a single catch for eight yards isn't exactly what people had in mind. This week, it should be the polar opposite result versus an injury-ravaged Tampa Bay defense that has given up copious points to the position of late. Since week eight, wide receivers have averaged a touchdown per game and the fourth highest yardage figure on a per-game basis. Tight end Gerald Everett, Los Angeles Chargers versus Denver Broncos. I'll admit this one's digging a little deeper than we usually go. Everett isn't a safe play in any setting per se, but he does have an awesome matchup, especially if you're gambling for a cheap touchdown grab. Denver has allowed three scores in the last four games to the position, and they've come at the seventh highest rate in relation to catches faced. That alone makes Everett an understandable play at a volatile position. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The Giants once again home Monday night. Got the Packers. Only a 6-6 six and six football team, Dan. They're only 500, but you don't think the Giants are in the weight class of the Packers? Explain yourself. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know if people have been watching the Packers over their last five games, but uh, they're a very different team than the one that started so rough uh, this season. So, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and listen, they have back-to-back wins over the Lions and the Chiefs. That's, listen, say whatever you want about, you know, the Chiefs offense this year and their, and their wide receivers, <clears throat> Kadarius Toney, or, and, and the Lions being relatively inconsistent. Those are two really good teams that they beat there. The Chargers, you know, they held tough against Pittsburgh, who at times has played better this season too. So, listen, I don't know. You know, what I've seen over the last three weeks in particular, uh, you know, the Packers and Jordan Love in particular playing exceptionally well. They're playing really, really, really good football all around. Um, and they're obviously very much trending in the right direction. And now they're kind of looking ahead, and they've got this really – Let's just be honest, it's an easy schedule down the stretch. So they're looking at that thinking we can go to the playoffs. We control our own fate right now. So they're going to come out. They're hungry. And as far as the Giants, you know, it's a primetime game, and I don't really think I need to say anything else about that. Yeah, we all know the record there. We don't have to dust those off. Uh, Yeah, the Packers, it is set up for them. Really impressive uh, to go on the road in Detroit and win that game on Thanksgiving, and really mm-hmm. they controlled it, right? They scored right away early, and they kind of controlled that ball game. Impressive. That's a big game to Detroit, and, you know, Detroit's having a good season. They're going places. Like, that was that was an eye-opening one. And They were big on – I think they were like seven-and-a-half-point dogs in that game. They went in there yeah. and won it. And then, yeah, at home against the Chiefs, you're so right. Like, this is just an aside. Like, the audacity of Kansas City to put – this skill position group around the best quarterback in football is like yes. mind blowing. You've got Kadarius Tony running around there doing whatever the hell he's doing. And you're, you're, you know, late in the game against the Packers are trying to come up with a game winning drive. And it's like Marquez Valdez Scantling. They're trying to figure out how to get him the ball. He sucks. You know what I mean? It's just like, Oh my God, the chiefs, you know, when you have an amazing quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and he is, you know, by far the best in the business, Sometimes your quarterback can cover up your warts, Dan, but I think for the Chiefs, their warts are starting to show through this year. It does not feel like the same team, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And it's kind of rough to watch them because he is so immensely talented. It's I mean, amazing. listen, undeni- undeniably the best quarterback in football. There's just yep. no other way around that. Uh, but, you know, their running game is not particularly impressive. Um, you know, from a 
yards per carry standpoint, Patrick Mahomes is actually leading the team. So that kind of tells you that they're not doing particularly well on the ground. Their offensive line was a bit of a concern last year. It didn't prove, but, you know, it's not overwhelmingly dominant. And, of course, you've got a really bad wide receiver group. Um, so, you know, it, it is kind of weird to watch. They've been led by their defense this year, which is kind of a crazy thing to say about a Patrick Mahomes offense. But let that take absolutely nothing away from what the Packers did, because that was an extremely impressive victory. Yeah, that's where I was going with this. Uh, the, the Chiefs do have a very good defense, but Jordan Love tore them up. <laughs> yeah, 25 of 36, Dan, for 267, three touchdowns and no picks. And Jordan Love has a, the youngest wide receiver group in the in the league. He's throwing to the Dontavion Wicks and Jaden Reed. Yep. I mean, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Christian uh, Christian Watson had a hamstring, so I don't know what his status is. So that might help the Giants a little bit. But these are all first or second year players. These are young, young mm-hmm. receivers. Uh, and they have a rookie tight end too, right? So Musgrave. So yeah, the Packers are just, they're a team that's on the come. They're a team that's on the come. Alyssa Barbieri from Bears Wire will tell you they suck. But no, they don't. They don't. That's just the rivalry talking. They're, they're, hey, listen, they're I, I, yeah, I, listen, I think, you know, three weeks ago, you would have said that to me. I would have been like, yeah, the Giants can win this game. But, you know, there's something to be said about hot streaks in the NFL. Listen, look at, listen, listen go back with the Giants. All right. Um, 2007, they get on a hot streak. They just, they just go nuts. And, and, you know, they, the ball just kept rolling, you know, four years later, again, the Giants get on a hot streak, the ball, you know, gets rolling and it just nothing stops them. I'm not saying that the Packers are a dominant team, but what I will tell you about from what I've seen from the Packers is that they're a well-rounded above average team in almost every single position. There's not a whole lot of elite players on that team. There's no one that you look at and go, that's the best guy in the NFL. That's a top five guy in the NFL. That's the best position group in the NFL but they are a good, cohesive team. They play well together. They're well-coached, and every single player knows their job, and they do it to a level that's average or above average. And I think that is what leads teams like this to go a long way because there isn't a glaring weakness anywhere on the team. Certainly there are some groups and some positions you know, and some aspects of the team that aren't as good as the others, but again – as a whole, this is an above-average team pretty much from top to bottom. Some trends here before we get into our pick, uh, which I think people can kind of tell where we're leaning here. Matt LaFleur never loses in December, Dan. It's a crazy stat. The Packers have won 16 straight games in December dating back to 2019. <laughs> and they're Didn't right- know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. So LaFleur has never lost in, in December. Uh, you know, that used to be a lot of Aaron Rodgers, but still. 16 straight December wins for the Packers, and they're red hot again entering this month. They've got one win under their belt. It was Kansas City. So uh, that's just a little trend to keep in mind. Also, the Packers, you look back at this season, they did have some rough rough patches, but they lost to the Raiders, Broncos, and Falcons by a combined seven points. So a good football team. And we got to remember here, we got to remind ourselves, even though DeVito, you know, Tommy Cutlets has fired us up, Dan, and he's got people dreaming maybe smoking a little bit, you know, talking playoffs, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's got us all, he's, it's good. It's an injection of life. Like, we needed this. We needed this, like, energy. It's good. It's a good thing. But the Giants still have beat the freaking Commanders twice. The Patriots, who are just freaking putrid. And I can't believe I have to watch them on Thursday night. Dan, I'm very upset about that. And that's my Thursday night game. Patriots, Steelers, two backup quarterbacks going head-to-head. Oh, God, just <laughs> just shoot me. Uh so you beat the Commanders, the Patriots, and you, let's be honest, you pulled one out of your ass against the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> and those are your four wins. Those are your four wins. Yeah. So 
I love the confidence uh, that the Giants are projecting right now out of the locker room, right, Dan? But I, I don't really think uh, – I don't think they're a better football team than the Packers, uh, and I think the Packers will win this one by a touchdown at least. I mean, six and a half points, You are you are is that the great Danton's pick? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to – you know, the Packers are going to win. I, I, I wouldn't want – I don't want to say two touchdowns. I don't think it's going to be like – that kind of dominance, not like, you know, what we've seen with the, you know, the Cowboys against the Giants or anything like that, but, or even the Raiders for that matter, which what an ugly game that was. But yeah, I, I just, listen, the Giants in the secondary have kind of been falling off a little bit. Um, Deontay Banks, who started strong, has kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, there's no more Leonard Williams, which, you know, his absence has, you know, obviously been, you know, impactful. Um, you know, Micah McFadden was hurt. You know, in the last game, don't really know what his status is. We'll find that out today. We're, again, as usual, recording on Wednesday morning. The injury report's not out yet. So that'll be, you know, significant as well. Um, it's just it's just hard to look at this game and, and envision that the Giants are suddenly going to turn it around in prime time against an above-average quality team when, you know, they've not been able to keep pace with any quality team uh, this year. So, you know, again, I, I don't really have a score prediction for you. Um, but I do think that the Packers are going to win, and they're probably going to win by more than a touchdown. What's the overall draw on sacks for for Devito in this one? You know, yeah, there's, between there's five and, one, yeah, usually between five and ten somewhere there. So yeah. that's that's a tough one too. I, that's another one that Tyrod gave you a little bit a little bit more in terms of the pressure and not taking those sacks. But uh, to, listen to to Devito's credit, though, you know he does take those sacks probably when he shouldn't take those sacks. But, you know, pat that kid on the back for not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Uh, because let's, let's be honest, that was a problem that Daniel Jones had. He was taking those sacks and turning the ball over. And to DeVito's credit, he's not doing that. And that is actually what's keeping the Giants in these games and leading to some of these wins. Again, though, this isn't the Patriots and this isn't yeah, the Commanders. So, say. you know, you got you to gotta take that into consideration. Yeah, that worked against the Patriots to a, to a T. And it was the same thing against the Commanders, too. Let them beat themselves. Yep. Yep. Don't don't give them the ball. Have your defense force turnovers, which you know came easy against those two teams. I can't imagine it's going to come as easy against the Packers. Could it could? You never know with Wink Martindale. But um, yeah, I just I don't see that same sort of scenario playing out. You know, as it had against two far far inferior teams. We'll see. Uh, the Packers. I mean, Jordan Love, not a rookie by any means, but he's a young player in terms of his experience as a starter so he, he hasn't had a ton mm-hmm. of opportunity before this year so we'll see if so we wink, can, uh, wink, yeah, go get yeah i was gonna say wink wink might be able to cause him some headaches there's no doubt about it because he's gonna see things on monday night that he has not seen before and if he does go in there and start turning the ball over then you know then then it could be a totally different story i just don't see that being a problem because i think that the packers are gonna kind of place an emphasis on that you saw what the giants did in the last two weeks don't turn the damn ball over and we'll win this game. Yeah, and another thing you always worry about with the Packers is they will run it. Um, I know Aaron Jones, he's got a knee, um, didn't play last week. Uh, we'll see what his availability is here as we get further into the week. I'm sure Giants Wire will have injury reports and stuff. Aaron Jones might be out, but the Packers are one of those teams that even when their top running back is out, Dan, they still that doesn't stop them from just pounding the rock. I mean, A.J. Dillon is a well, moose. Um, he can run yeah. it. Um, they will run the football on you. So if you're just going to blitz... The Packers will just run it right down your throat. You know, that's kind of how they are. So it's going to be an interesting game plan on defense, how the Giants kind of well, mix that thing up and spin that dial. They, they should, too. The Packers should run the ball because let's, again, the Giants just, it doesn't matter who it is. 
the Giants just can't stop the run, and that's yeah. only gotten progressively worse since Leonard Williams was traded. Here's a here's a terrible stat actually on Leonard Williams. Since that trade, Seattle has a worse record than the Giants do. Oh my God, is that right? They did have an entertaining game on Thursday night last week, though against the Cowboys. That was entertaining at least. Couldn't finish but, the damn yeah. deal. I, I think they've won one game since that Leonard Williams trade. Poor Leonard. <laughs> poor, poor, I was going to say, poor Leonard Williams. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that trade, the whole concept of that trade was sending him to a team that had a chance to win, and they've actually lost more than the Giants have <laughs> since that trade. Yeah, they had a and they had a nice, uh, they were in a good standing, that Seattle was, but yeah, they're they're heading the wrong direction fast. they got to figure that thing out. Um, it's crazy. You can see the talent on the field on Thursday night, but they can't, their defense yeah. just, and they, and they did, they did objectively get better. They did improve in terms of personnel with Leonard Williams, but they've gone one and four. They've gone one and four with ironically with their only victory coming over Washington since Leonard Williams has been there. Well, that's not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising. Uh, I feel so bad for him, honestly. Yeah. Poor Leonard Williams, poor Pete Carroll. That's a tough one. That's a tough one over there in Seattle. Uh, so, all right, Dan coming off the bye week, any, any articles you guys you know, published? What'd you do? Some superlatives or something from the season? What'd you guys do on Giants Wire? What should folks be looking for on the site? Any any good articles? Good eaten before this game? Well, I think it'll just be the basic, you know, stuff that we usually produce, barring any kind of craziness that involves, you know, any kind of coaching drama or or things like that. I, yes, I think one thing to keep an eye. Yeah. I think one thing to keep an eye on right now is the season winds down, you're gonna see a lot of college programs starting to poach positional coaches we've already seen running back coach Jeff Nixon get targeted by Syracuse so that sort of stuff is what you want to keep an eye on this year or this week because you're kind of going to start getting a better feel and idea for how much coaching change there's going to be this offseason and obviously there's a lot of rumors swirling right now not just with Wink Martindale potentially being on the way out but Mike Kafka and Thomas McGahee as well so the Giants very well might be in store for some major coordinator and assistant coach changes this offseason. Giants Wire, of course, has you covered. For Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. And once again, to the listener, we appreciate you. Thanks for hanging on, especially to this point all the way through. Uh, you're the best. Let people know about the show. Make sure they rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next week to break down Giants Packers after Monday Night Football. Can't wait. Catch you then. 